What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Joe and Nick. What's going on, guys? So, um, I guess we'll just go right into it, and we'll start with football. Uh, sure. So, football, uh, obviously, uh, not a lot of trivia. You know, trivia we like to use on those weeks we don't have a lot of news. Uh, it's kind of fun. It's something to take up a little bit of space. But we do have a lot of news this week. Uh, so, starting off, I'm going to start with the biggest news probably of the week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' extension. Um, I talked a little bit about it on our Instagram. Uh, it's going to be worth. It's going to be a ten-year contract, which is I think it's tied for the longest contract in NFL history. But I think it's the highest-paying contract in NFL history. Um, at, at at a maximum, it's going to be worth a total of five hundred and three million dollars. Um, I think at a at a minimum, with if he plays all of his years, it's going to be worth a total of four hundred and seventy-seven million dollars. And there's also an injury reserve in there, so let's say he gets injured and cannot continue his career, he's still guaranteed a total of 144.1 or something like that million dollars. It's a little bit over 140, 141 million dollars rather. Um, so a lot, ton of money. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been the best quarterback in the NFL over the past two years. Um, he's he's very consistent when he's on the field. He's extremely talented, great arm. Um, he's still learning the game of football you know, in terms of his reads, but I mean that. The, the ceiling, you know, there's there's no ceiling to what we could see for right now, Patrick Holmes. Um, you know, by the end of his career, he could easily be the best quarterback the NFL has ever seen. Um, but for right now, uh, what we've seen from him so far, he's been the best quarterback over the past two years, uh, best arm in the NFL, pretty much. Uh, and the Chiefs uh, lock him in long uh, long term, which is good for them. Uh, uh, for the right now, you know, having the best quarterback in the NFL on your team is really big. Quarterback position in the NFL is in, in football really is really important. It's a leadership position, but it's also, uh, you know, he facilitates the offense. The ball always goes through him pretty much every single play. Uh, really important position, and to have somebody like Patrick Holmes uh, and the talent that he brings, it's really important. Uh, the only thing I have to say, in contrary to what I just said, is with giving him that much money, it becomes a question of how will the Chiefs afford to pay for the rest of the roster. Uh, Patrick Holmes is, is incredibly talented. Um, he's, he's most likely going to bring uh, you know, Super Bowls to the Chiefs. He's going to bring a ton of talent to the team. But, you know, can he still perform without players around him? Uh, you know, when you pay him that much of the salary cap each year, which I think it's around $40, 50000000 million, you get about $100 million each year, um, you know, with the salary cap constantly increasing. It, it varies. But, um, you know, with him taking up almost half of a half of the money that you need each year to pay, uh, to pay all the players – where you, where is the rest of the money going? You, Chris Jones is coming up in a contract year. The defensive tackle had nine sacks for them last year. Uh, you got Tyreek Hill, who had a ton of touchdowns, as well as uh, you got Travis Kelsey. All those three of those guys need to get paid, uh, as well as the rest of the team. You got Mitchell Schwartz on the team, who eventually needed contract renewal. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a tough decision for the Chiefs to decide who to like. Also, Tyron Matthew will probably need a contract extension at some point. And it becomes a question, you know, how are the Chiefs going to handle this going into the future? Obviously, if they perform really well, they're not going to get as great draft picks. And when you have draft picks, they uh, play for really cheap. Such as McCool Hardman, who I think the Chiefs will probably let Tyreek Hill go at some point. Um, you know, his off-the-field issues haven't been great, but, you know, they haven't really been too much of an issue so far. If, if an off-the-field issue does appear again, um, I believe Tyreek Hill has been uh, had some run-ins with domestic violence, unfortunately. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, but, you know, he, he's been clean so far. Hopefully it stays that way, obviously. You know, let's say he, something that does something like that does arise, God forbid. I'm sure the Chiefs would let him go and keep McCole Hardman on a lot cheaper salary. Uh, it's really smart for them to do that. So I think that's one way that they may try and tackle the salary cap situation. 
Uh, but we'll have to see where they go in terms of the salary cap situation. Uh, ultimately, you know, really good signing for the Chiefs. It's just going to come down to how how well will he do going forward. You know, I honestly do see him matching somewhat like a Brady. He, he's kind of everything the NFL has been going towards, packaged into one. Extremely great arm, you know, able to run the RPO like like incredibly, make good reads. He, he, he's quick on his feet. Um, he's not he's not a hundred percent in the pocket passer. He he's definitely great. I'd say he's better outside of the pocket on his sidearm throws and his abilities to make plays when you just don't see him coming. Um, you know, he's everything the NFL has been pushing towards. He, he he's what it, the NFL uh, what what does well in the NFL nowadays. So should be really exciting to see Patrick Mahomes over the next ten years. I hope to see. Him win a couple Super Bowls should be uh, fun. So, uh, moving off the Chiefs, we have the 49ers. Uh, I believe his first name is Raheem. Um, I always I always struggle with uh, Mostert, the running back uh, for the uh, 49ers. So over the past couple of years, he had his Raheem. I don't know why I blanked on that. I thought it was Robert for a second, but it is Raheem. Um, he's been pretty good. He's been the 49ers leading rusher over the past, I believe, two years. Uh, he had he had a pretty good year last year. Um, you know, he, he had 772 yards with eight touchdowns in this past season, uh, five and a half, uh, 5.6 uh, yards per carry. So, a uh, pretty productive year for him. He had 220 yards and four touchdowns in the uh, Super Bowl. So, yeah, pretty productive. Um, he wants a better contract as a result. The 49ers are not granting it to him. And as a result, he requested a trade. Should be interesting to see where the 49ers do with him. Pretty solid running back. I don't see him as a premier talent in the NFL. But he runs the 49ers system well, and I think it would be smart for them to hold on to him. But, you know, pay him a ton of money probably isn't worth it. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan and his his uh, run, <coughs> sorry, his rushing offense um, in the NFL has been really successful so far. I mean, you saw it last year that the 49ers hardly passed. Um, there's not a, quite a team that could run like them, you know, comparably to maybe the the Ravens or the Titans could run as well as them, but overall, I think the 49ers were the best rushing offense in the NFL last year, and Mostert was a big part of that. Um, so it'll be a question, will they bring him back, or will they plug somebody else into the system, and then will they do as well? Um, honestly, I probably do expect the Mostert to stay with the 49ers. Um, I don't see any other teams being supremely interested in him, unless the 49ers want to deal him for nothing, or uh, for relatively cheap. I think he's worth for them to keep uh, hold on to and work out a contract extension with. Um, final piece of news for the NFL is, so apparently the NFLPA, uh, NFL Players Association, um, association you know, headed by players to deal with the league, they're pushing for the cancel of the preseason. I honestly don't know what's going to happen. You know, they already canceled half of the preseason. Uh, I think it'd be smart for the NFL to keep it for one of two, for one of two, for two reasons. So one, Obviously, being the monetary benefit, you know, the preseason game does allow them to garner a little bit of money. Uh, but more importantly, I think it's more important to the players, actually. I know the play- NFLPA is coming from a point of, when you think about who's on the NFLPA, it's players that have already established themselves in the NFL, right? They have they have their money. They're going to they're gonna make the roster, um, and they don't want to play unnecessary games that could put them at risk for coronavirus. Makes sense. But at the same time, again, I keep reiterating this because I think it's really important, is that the preseason games are, are not really... I think the biggest purpose that they serve is the fact that it allows teams to judge the talent, the lower end talent they have on the team, decide who they want to keep on the roster versus cut. Um, there's a ton of ton of players that are undrafted free agents that want to make their name heard in the preseason to be able to make the team and then make an impact going into the regular season. Um, but if the the teams don't have that, they're kind of just going to have to judge off practice, I guess, which isn't the same as as, as a game, obviously. Uh, you know, I'm definitely in favor of keeping two preseason games to 
give the teams, you know, somewhat of a chance to evaluate some of the talent that they have on the team. Um, so we'll have to see where it goes. You know, I, I do again. I do understand where the NFL PPA is coming from. They want to keep the players safe. Why are we going to play necessary games that don't really count towards the regular season of the playoffs? Um, but at the same time, I think it's important to 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 remind yourself themselves as well as us that you know those preseason games do serve a purpose in terms of the lower in talent in the NFL um, trying to make a roster. You know, say lower in talent, right? These players could be players that are considered lower in talent. They make the roster and then they have an incredible year as an undrafted free agent, such as. Uh, you know, uh, a Lindsay, a Philip Lindsay from Denver, right? Undrafted free agent out of Boulder, um, made the team, uh, became the starting running back, and he's been a really good running back for Denver uh, over the last year. So, you know, I think those players are important to evaluate, and preseason is a good way to do it. Um, so that about wraps up the NFL. Um, so moving on to the NBA, I'm going to handle it. Not much news this week. Um, just a little bit of interesting stuff to talk about. Um, so. Uh, in terms of players opting out due to the coronavirus, we're going to have Bradley Beal and Spencer Dinwiddie opting out. As a result, the Nets did sign Jamal Crawford. Um, pretty interesting. I would say, you know, obviously a lot of players have been opting out. Not too interesting there. But the Nets in particular, they're kind of a, on the playoff. They're a playoff team right now on the cusp. And they've had so many players drop out. Um, you know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, obviously. Spencer Dinwiddie's not going to be there. Um, yeah, I think DeAndre good. Jordan opted out. Um so a ton of players, ton of players have opted out for the Nets. They're basically playing with guys that they're picking up, you know, that are free agents. Um, should be really interesting to see how they do. I saw some memes. It's gonna be like Karis Levert is, is a picture of Karis Levert absolutely gassed. Uh, if gas, you know, gas means he's really tired. It was like Karis Levert after playing sixty minutes and having to score ninety five percent of the Nets team's points. Um, it's pretty funny. I don't know. I'll have to see what the Nets do. You know, the Nets were most likely not going to win a championship with Kyrie Irving being. Maybe coming back, maybe not. He's been pretty injured throughout the year. And we knew Kevin Durant was most likely not going to come back. So that team was not really ready to win a championship this year. So it's not a big deal if they want to kind of tank the playoffs and then start fresh new next year. But it's really interesting how almost the, the majority of the Nets team kind of dropped out. Uh, Brian, you had comments? I mean, it's just it's like just comments to the fact how different this season's going to be, obviously. But also if you win the championship... There's not as much respect going into any of these seasons for NBA baseball because everything's so different that, honestly, I expect a lot of teams to be like, we don't really care about what's going to happen during these games. Mm-hmm, 100%. Like, I've definitely seen players take the thing of, like, you know, with everything going on, it's even harder to get your te- yourself yeah, in a position to win. But at the same time, you know, there's so many, so much talent dropping out due to health reasons. It's just—it's a really weird situation. Obviously, we've never seen anything like it before. Um, it should be interesting to see how it plays out. I think not necessarily now. You know, it'll play how it plays out now. But looking into the future, will, will this will these seasons remembered be remembered for um, that sort of you know with everything going on, it was so much harder to win, or mm-hmm. with everything going on, you know, players dropping out, it was so much easier to win. Um, should be interesting how it's viewed. I think years down the line, um, I've really. Don't have an opinion on it right now. Again, we'll have to see how it's viewed down the line. Um, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I kind of see both sides. You know, I think both sides are equally valid. So we'll have to see where it ends up. I honestly don't have a particular opinion on that one. I think it also, this might be more towards baseball side of things, but it's going to be viewed as either harder or easier depending on your opponents as well, which we're going to get mm-hmm. into later, but... Certain teams are facing different opponents depending on the league, so it's just going to be totally different season. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, one little fun fact here before we go into, I guess, our controversial topic, which is NBA-related, happened last night. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, I just wanted to say one year since the Westbrook trade was yesterday, uh, so the Rockets traded for Westbrook, and and they traded Chris Paul and a bunch of picks for Westbrook. Uh, you know, how's it worked out so far? It's worked out great for the for the for the Thunder. They're a playoff team. Chris Paul has been leading them to to you know he's been doing really well with them. You know, I'm still a fan of Chris Paul. I really miss him on the Rockets. But I think Russell Westbrook brings this level of of talent that the Rockets didn't have before. Um, you know, I really wish the Rockets would be able to keep Chris Paul and get Russell Westbrook, but I guess it's not a reality. You need to trade value. Chris Paul, the way he leads a team, his ability to facilitate on the floor, um, his passing, his dribbling, it's really unmatched in the NBA. Even at, you know, he's I think he's 34 now. Um, even at his age, there's not really a player out there, I think, like Chris Paul, that's really facilitating the way that he is, his ability to lead a team. Um, I have a lot of respect for him for that. It's unfortunate that it's gone from the Rockets. I think it's something that the Rockets might be missing, is somebody that can really elevate the team when, when they really need to. Um you know, it's been Russell Westbrook in the past. I want to say Russell Westbrook elevates his team. He kind of just puts the team on his back and takes it over. Um, so we'll have to see how it is goes going forward. You know, I really hope the Rockets win a championship this year. It will be huge for them to do so. Um, hopefully, uh, come you know, come these in a few weeks. Uh, you know, with all the players setting up in Orlando right now. Um, that's another thing I didn't mention. I guess it's another piece of news. Is I guess the players are setting up in Orlando. Games haven't started yet, but the teams are getting to practice in Orlando. Um, you know, with the, with the playoffs coming up soon, I'm really hoping the Rockets can really put it together, and hopefully the small ball works out. We can win a championship. Uh, would be incredible. Um, that's something that's never really done before at that level in terms of playing such small ball, uh, not really having a center on the roster besides Tyson Chandler. Should be interesting. These playoffs are going to be interesting. Again, we'll have to see how they're judged on the line. But uh, with that being said, we're going into our controversial topic of the day. Uh, should be interesting. Uh, so again, before we get into this, I just want to say like everyone's, you know, I say this every single podcast, but you got to say it every single podcast, uh, you know, at, at Sport Universe, all our views are pretty much different. We all have different views, but we all respect each other's views, um, whether it comes to sports, whether it comes to politics, whether it comes to anything, um, you know, we're a pretty diverse group and we all have different opinions. That's what makes, I think, Sport Universe kind of special is that we, you know, we're not like, we're not controlled by any larger media corporation. We don't have to to say what people want us to say. We can all just share our views, and that's why it's like it's a pretty fun thing to have it being fan-run. That's kind of our, our you know, our ideology is that, you know, we're, we're fans, and we, we're, we're judging it from an outside look, and we could be open and honest where somebody who's maybe on the inside can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what kind of makes it fun. We all have different opinions, and we all respect each other's opinions. But that being said, uh, last night, uh, Adrian Wojcicki, um, you know, famous NBA reporter, biggest NBA reporter in the world, was suspended from ESPN um, indefinitely without pay. Um, and the result of that being, I believe a Republican senator, I'm not sure where he's from, um, had had messaged the NBA, um, you know, with, with with the NBA allowing people to put uh, messages on their backs like Black Lives Matter and equality, the Republican senator had messaged the NBA. I believe he emailed the NBA, but he also CC'd ESPN. That's how ESPN figured out. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, Wojcicki, uh, Adrian Wojcicki was able to uh, access the email, obviously. Um, so the, the Republican senator emailed uh, the NBA, I guess CC'd ESPN, and he asked, you know, why can't the players wear something of equivalent from a more right-leaning view in terms of maybe, like, support our troops or defend the cops or maybe calling out Hong Kong um, for for how they treat their citizens there. Um, and in response, 
uh, uh, Woj wanted up responding uh, FU, and that was it. And as a result, ESPN saw that as like not not good conduct, obviously, from a professional view, and decided to suspend him indefinitely. Um, so that just that's pretty much the summary of the story right now. Um, before I get into my opinions on what happened, I just want to say I do think that Woj is not going to get fired. He will he will come back. Um, ESPN just feels like they have they're in that sort of situation that they have to. I guess we're going into my opinion now that they have to suspend him. Um, and I honestly think it sucks. I don't think Woj should be suspended for that. Um, you know, he's just expressing his opinion. Uh, maybe it's not this picture perfect glam that you you want to you would like to see in a business corporation type of the world we live in now. But he's just expressing his opinion. I don't think he's just suspended or fired for that. Um, with that being said, I think it's kind of a product of of the world that we're living in now, which you know I kind of have problems with, which I kind of alluded to last week about the Redskins. You know, I question like what 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 point do you do does offensiveness like who draws the line of what's offensive, what's not? You know, I, I kind of hate living in a world that we're living in right now in terms of everything has to be so PC and clean. Um, does like I think Woe should be. You know, just as anybody who has more of a right opinion should be able to express their opinion, I think somebody on the left should be able to too, whether it's clean or not. You know, we you know what 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 Woj said is perfectly valid. Like he just disagrees. He thinks, um, you know, interpreting what he said, which I think anyone could agree to this. He was just he was simply pointing out the fact that like Black Lives Matter is the is a topic we're tackling now, not those. You know, this is what you know. You're kind of just being you're not being very nice. You're trying to trying to turn this into something else when it's not. So I definitely see where Woj is coming from. But at the same time, like, I definitely do see the Senator's point. Um, you know, I think the players, if they're going to be able to support Black Lives Matter, how come the players can't support the opposite side? Um, and I'll say, honestly, like, more or less, I think, like, that Hong Kong situation is really tough. Because, again, the NBA sees a lot of revenue from China, and they don't want to upset China. And that's why they don't tackle the Hong Kong issue. But I think anybody who's looking at Hong Kong objectively sees that the people there want democracy. They want freedoms that they're not being granted right now. And I think anybody who, who's, who looks at that objectively could agree with, with, with the protests going on in Hong Kong. Um, obviously, they're not as heavy now because of coronavirus, but, you know, previously. Um, but obviously, the NBA doesn't want to say anything because they're in a position like, like we're, in, we're doing heavy business with China. If we, if we allow our players to say something bad about China... They may pull funding from us, so we may lose business. So that's where the NBA is coming from. Uh, again, I think I see I see validity on both sides. Um, I just hate the fact that we have to live in a world where Woj has to be suspended for what he said. You know, I, I think it goes both ways because I think we've seen a lot of outcry in in the public mass um, going both ways. You know, what's like Drew Brees, right? Um, that reminds me. Oh wow, we didn't even talk about the the Drew Brees and Sean Jackson situation. Um, go, you know, going off of what Woj um, this Woj situation. Uh, so. But, you know, everyone knows what happened to Drew Brees, right? He said he, he supported the flag, didn't support the kneeling, and everybody in the media went off at him um, saying it was disrespectful, that he didn't really – that he wasn't being – uh, you know, he wasn't valuing black lives as a result. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, I kind of stood with Drew Brees saying he, he's allowed to share his opinion. And, um, the, the you know, and the opposite happened uh, just a couple days ago. Deshaun Jackson had actually tweeted out, um, which I, I totally forgot about. That's how little, bit, little was in the news. Uh, Sean Jackson had tweeted out some anti-Semitic tweets, um, essentially saying that, that Jewish people were out to out for African Americans, and if African Americans ever figured out who he was, who they were, which uh, it, it's kind of complicated. Uh, it has to do a lot with religion. Um, didn't fully understand the quote myself, but it, it was clearly anti-Semitic. 
and there wasn't much backlash at it. And, you know, I, I personally, I think that Sean Jackson should be held to the same standards that Drew Brees is held. And I think that's what we're seeing with Woj, right? Um, he's being held to the same standard that anybody else in the opposite opinion would be held at, which is fair, but I think overall it's wrong. I don't think, you know, Woj should, again, I don't think Woj should have to be punished for sharing his opinion like that. And neither should somebody who has opposite opinion of him. Um, sorry, feels a little bit all over the place. I'm just kind of, uh, you know, getting out what I have on my mind. Brian, what do you have to say about it? Quick question: Was it a tweet where he said "f, f off," or was it back? In the it was a it was it was a private email which the the senator had released to the public. Uh huh. Um. So my opinion on it, I now that I know it was an email, not a tweet. I kind of see where ESPN is coming from with suspending him because it's just, like, not professional at all. Um, And he does work for ESPN and represents them. And I do understand that you have to be professional even if it doesn't go with how you view uh, the political sphere in America or anything like that. You do have to be professional. And if you're going to be representing ESPN, I feel like it's kind of ESPN needed to do something because that's just not professional at all, even if it goes totally against their political views. But I'm also, in addition to that, I'm also kind of proud that ESPN did that because they are being fair to both sides. I'm pretty sure ESPN has spoken out, I mean, has spoken with Black Black Lives Matter and supports all that stuff. So to show their fairness, I'm actually kind of proud of them to do that, even though I do support Black Lives Matter and everything like that. It is good to see them trying their best to be as fair as possible. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I'd have to say that. Like, I'm definitely, like, I'm proud the ESPN did that. I'm, um, like, I like to live in a world where we see things being fair. We can see, like, if he, if Waj is unprofessional or somebody on on the opposite opinion of him is unprofessional, like, both would be uh, punished equally. Yeah. However, you know, again, going off what, I, what Brian said, like, I don't think there should be a punishment in general. You know, is it unprofessional? Yes. But at the end of the day, I just I hate to live in the world where like everyone gets offended by everything, and you know, Waj cursed. He, he cursed. Uh, you know, so what? Um, you know, I. I, I guess what I, I'm, I don't think. Keep going. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Okay, no, you I guess ahead, what I'm saying is, like, the original way that it was, he they, it wasn't like a public email at first or anything like that. It was a private email that he sent to both the NBA and ESPN. And for Woj, who is known as being an ESPN reporter, I'm pretty sure he has it somewhere in his Twitter and whatever, obviously. Um, And that's what he's famous for. For him to go say something like that is just unprofessional. And I feel like in any workplace, if you're going to be unprofessional, even if it might be a little PC, it's just can't be done and needs to be punished, in my opinion. Yeah, again, I think both sides are valid. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually had saw a tweet in response to him being suspended, and I thought it was pretty interesting. The, the prefer- don't know the person, random person, and the tweet read something like, um, you know, with everyone complaining, let's say you went into your workplace and you said F you to a customer. Mm-hmm. You think you'd get suspended or you'd get fired? <laughs> um, yeah, I so I think it's a valid point. It's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so against, like, cancel culture and, like, mm-hmm. canceling Drew Brees because he said this or canceling Deshaun Jackson because he said this. Like, do, like let's go back to Sean Jackson, right? We everyone, um, you know, with how Drew is treated, fine, whatever. But on the Sean Jackson side, you know, I, as as one point, like 
I'm, I'm kind of upset that he didn't get treated the same way as Drew Brees did when, when he came out um, in support of the flag and not Black Lives Matter per se. But not that he, he actually did say he was supportive of Black Lives Matter. He just wasn't in support of kneeling, rather. Um, you know, I, I, I'm happy that he got treated. He didn't. I'm, I'm a little sad he didn't get treated the same way. But at the same time, I'm happy that Deshaun Jackson wasn't belittled because of an opinion that he shared. Um, as America, we have free speech, and if he wants to share something that's a little bit anti-Semitic, um, he's free to do so. And you know maybe, and for what he for what he explained and how he apologized, it seems like that wasn't really his point. His point was to say that like black people are special, um, and, and they're, they're important, which everyone can agree to. He, the, the whole point wasn't to be anti-Semitic, but you know at the same time it's kind of hard when you're pulling from a, a supposed Hitler quote, uh, it, which is driddled in anti anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Uh, it's kind of tough to do that. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I don't think uh, Deshaun Jackson would be persecuted for that. Um, he, has, he has the right to speak his opinion, uh, whether people agree with it or not. I don't think he should be fired or, or suspended. Um, you know, he probably he made a mistake. He didn't really get across what he wanted to perfectly. Mm. And to persecute people for little mistakes is, is I don't know, it's just isn't big. Isn't a, I'm not a big fan of that. So, Gotcha. Um, that's all you have to say for that? Yeah, just about. Um, definitely let us know what your guys' opinions yeah. are because it's like, it's definitely a tough situation. It's it's a tough balance. It's like, what's unprofessional versus like what's being too harsh and give people freedom of speech and let let them talk what they want and give their opinion. So I think it's definitely a tough balance. I, you know, I think Brian's definitely bad on the fact that you know saying f you to him and not really like having a conversation with him is pretty unprofessional. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of leaves ESPN. In that tight in that tight situation, you know, even though while Woj is, is supporting our views and backing us, he's not doing it professionally. Right. So it, it definitely left him a tough choice. So I think it was, I think it's pretty interesting. And I had to say, like, I'm proud of ESPN for being able to take that step. And even though the public may disagree with it and may be outraged that Woj was suspended, like they're being they're being fair to both sides and and they're they're holding the standards true. So it you know it's definitely interesting. Um, I think we both Brian, both me and Brian had good points. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm going to go into baseball. There's not a lot of news for baseball, so I'm going to go into some predictions, which I plan to do every week, I guess, till I'm done with all the divisions. Um, the only real news that came from baseball this week, there were some more... Actually, there's a couple things. There's some more people... I don't... Did we talk about this last week? Let me quickly check. Oh, no, we did talk about this last week. Okay, so there was really only one thing. You want to assess for this who, if you're a Mets fan, and I know a lot of our followers are Mets fans, um, you want to assess for this is going to be back. He had a quote where he said he he now knows that he's definitely ready for opening day. And there's even some talks about them possibly using him in the outfield, which I hope they don't because that's just going to lead to injuries, I think. Even if he's has been rehabbing for two years, I just don't want to risk it. You have a DH, so use him there. Uh, but very exciting to have Yohan Cespedes back in the best position for the Mets, which is DH, where his defense, he's not really a liability, but he's, he has a really good arm, but other than that, I don't know, he's kind of nothing great. Injury, injury, injury prone. <laughs> he's nothing great, especially because he's injury prone. But let me get into the predictions. So if you guys watched our NLEs, I mean our ALEs predictions, which came out, I think a couple weeks ago. You'll know these, but I'm just going to start with the AL East and then go into NL East, which is coming out either tomorrow or Monday. So let's get into that. So for the AL East predictions, I guess I'll start from the bottom. Let me just explain what the AL East is going to be facing this year. 
40 games against the NL East, I mean, 40 games against the AL East, 20 games against the NL East. I think the NL East is probably the toughest division this season. So them having to face 20 games against the NL East, which is going to be four games against the Phillies, Nationals, Braves, and Mets, some of the toughest teams in the league this season. That's definitely a hard schedule to have to face. And the AL East is nothing to really laugh at either. They have some pretty good teams, I'd say, as well. So going off of that, I'll just go right into predictions. So for number five, I'm going to have the Baltimore Orioles at 21 and 39. That, in my opinion, is kind of being nice. The Orioles really don't have anyone that I could even think to highlight and really have an impact for them this season. I think that there's really no one, and that might be kind of being harsh, but if you're an Orioles fan, try and explain to me how the Orioles have any shot this season. And that's where I'm going to hold it. Uh, for number four, I have the Red Sox, which is kind of, I'm sure, a surprise to some people. I think that the Red Sox, they've lost a lot this offseason. Mookie Betts, uh, Chris Sale, Tommy John surgery, Alex Cora, who's been their coach for two years now, I'm pretty sure, um, is obviously suspended from... The sign-stealing scandal, they still have good players like Xander Bogarts, uh, Rafael Devers, what's that guy's name? Uh, he was an MVP candidate last year. Uh, okay, they still have really good players, and I'm not trying to say that they don't have good players, and giving them the number four hole is just a testament that the other teams in their division are pretty good, in my opinion. They're far, They're very different than the Baltimore Orioles. And that could be shown by the records that I'm giving them the Red Sox at 31 and 29, the Orioles at 21 and 39. I think they're going to have an okay season, uh, nothing great, nothing terrible, and that's just a testament to the to the fact that they lost a lot this offseason, including David Price, which I forgot to mention. Uh, then number three, I have the Blue Jays at 32 and 28, just inching their way ahead of the Red Sox. I think the Blue Jays have a, obviously a lot of good young talent, from Bouchette to Vladimir Guerrero. They signed Hijun Ryu. They have a lot of talent going for them. Some of their young players didn't have the greatest season last year, but that could just be them getting used to the baseball and how it's run. I think that is what it is. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is such a good talent, and I expect him to have a really good season. So I'm going to have them just edging them, themselves out against the Red Sox. Uh, for number two, I have the Tampa Bay Rays at 34-26. and 26. The Tampa Bay Rays really surprised a lot of people last season, and I think that momentum will just continue they basically kept their same roster, their same lineup, and there's no reason for me to think that they won't have another good season. It was a surprise last season, but a lot of players really had great seasons for them, and I expect the same for this season. Now, finally, I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. I have the Yankees being number one, probably one of the best teams in baseball. They have all, almost all their talent except Luis Severino coming back almost pretty healthy. James Paxton this time has allowed him to heal and be ready to play from the start. Aaron Judge, Stanton, everyone's back healthy to what we know. Um, obviously, Stanton was hit in the head by Masahiro Tanaka. No, Masahiro Tanaka was hit in the head by Stanton, so we don't really know about him. But I think that the Yankees and they signed Garrett Cole, they're prone to have a really good season. Uh and I have no doubts that they are going to have a good season, unless the injury bug hits them again like it did kind of last year. Any opinions on that, Nick? Uh, not much. I think I definitely agree with Yankees being number one. Yeah. Got to agree with that, 100%. Yeah. 
Okay, now let me go into the NL East. Um, this is going to be a little biased. I wouldn't be a good Mets fan if I didn't have the Mets number one. But let me go into everything first. For the NL East, they're going to be facing 40 games against the NL East and 20 games against the AL East. Um, the, what was I going to say? Obviously, like I have mentioned with the AL East, the NL East is one of the toughest divisions in baseball, if not the toughest. And there's 40 of those games for each of the NL East teams is going to be difficult. They have to face very improved teams, teams that were very good last year and will get even better this season. So I expect it's going to be a tough schedule for these teams, uh, but someone has to end up winning, so let me just get into the records. So for the NL East, I'll start from the bottom. I have the Marlins being 26-34. and 34. That's also similar to Orioles, kind of me being generous, but the Marlins do often play up to the talent inside their division. They always give the Mets hard times. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and them winning 26 games. Once again, they don't really have anyone I can highlight. They have some young players who I'm not that excited about. Obviously, I'm not that excited either way since I'm a Mets fan, but I don't really know how good they're going to be. They've traded away so much talent that they have no one on the team. So let me just go into number four. I have the Washington Nationals, which is probably another surprise to people. But I'm not one of those people that are just going to push a team high into the standings because they won the World Series. Definitely an accomplishment and something I wish the Mets would do more often. Uh, but the Nationals lost their superstar in Anthony Rendon this offseason. They still have Juan Soto, Victor Robles, Strasburg, Scherzer. They still have a lot of good players. And 32-28 and is not, not a bad record. But the other teams in the division, I think, are better than the Nationals. And listen, they won the World Series last year, but they were also a wildcard team. They got hot at the right time, and that's what led them to win the World Series. And I don't really see them being that great this season. So for number three, I have the Philadelphia, Philly, Philadelphia Phillies at 32-28. and 28. They have Bryce Harper for a second season with Philadelphia, and I expect them to have a much better season than he did last year. I think last year he was trying to really prove himself to a new fan base and prove that he was the same talent that he was for the Nationals. And that got him a little home run happy looking for the highlight play. His average was hit a bit by that, but I think this season he'll be much more calm and have a much better season. And they have JT Realmuto, they, have, they signed Didi Gregoris. Don't forget they signed Zach Wheeler, who I still think is a little hyped up, but definitely a very good pitcher. And they have other really good players that made them a pretty good team last year and I think is going to be a similar season, but I think a little better. Um, the problem with the Nationals seems to be, especially in the past few years, is that they never seem to gel right. And I mean, the problem with the Phillies has always been that they never seem to gel right, so maybe they'll figure it out. But I still have them number three, and the first two teams in the division, I think, are just more talented than them. Uh, number two is going to the, be the Braves. I see the Braves either being one or two. I, I'm going to keep the Mets being number one just because I'm a Mets fan, but understand that the Braves have a lot of talent on their team. They have, I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., who's going to be an MVP caliber player this season, might win the MVP. Uh, Ozzie Albies, Freddie Freeman, who has coronavirus, so we'll see how that impacts him. Uh, they signed... Cole Hamels to replace Dallas Keuchel. They signed Will Smith, who was the best reliever this offseason. Um, so they really have all around a really good team. And 
they should have a very good season. I have them at 36 and 24, but I could see them having a much better record than that. Then finally, number one, I have the New York Mets. For the Mets, once again, it's biased, but I think they have a lot going for them. They lost a few of their pitchers. Noah Syndergaard has Tommy John surgery, so he's out. And Zach Wheeler also was signed by the Phillies, so they lost two of their very good pitchers. But they also signed Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, who have the potential to be very good for them. I think Rick Porcello and Michael Waka, either one of them sufficiently replaces Zach Wheeler, who I never, who never really had that great of a season for the Mets. And I don't really know if he's going to turn into anything that great. Everyone keeps saying, oh, this is the year that he's going to break out, be that elite pitcher, and never happen. It was supposed to be last season because he had a great second half in 2018, but it didn't happen. So I don't really have a lot of faith that uh, he's going to play that well for the Nationals, and I think Michael Walker, Rick Porcello could be a sufficient uh, replacement for him. Noah Syndergaard, much more harder to replace. Um, he's definitely a good talent. He also hasn't really gotten to the elite level yet, but still a very solid pitcher and something that the Mets will miss. But Noah Syndergaard also didn't have that great of a season for the Mets last year. But turning to the offensive side of the ball, they have Pete Alonso, they have Jeff McNeil, who um, I think, and we also have an article up on our website, is a dark horse for the MVP. Same with Pete Alonso. I, I, maybe he's not a dark horse, but he definitely has potential to be the MVP. Uh, they have Michael Conforto. They have J.D. Davis, who I expect to have a very good season this se- this year. Um, offensively, and they added Yoan Cespedes, who's been off the team for two years, who I think is going to add a lot of power and a lot of offense in the DH hole. There's already a lot of highlights of him hitting bombs and during batting practice. Hit a home run off Seth Lugo a couple of days in an intra-squad inter- game. So that was cool to see. And... They have Jacob DeGrom, a two-time Cy Young winner. So they have a lot of potential for the Mets. And I see them either being one or two along with the Braves. So those are my NL and AL East predictions. Nick, do you have any more comments? No, I do not. Perfect. Uh, So that ends it for baseball. So I guess we'll go into college stuff. Uh, Sure. So college stuff. Uh, I just wanted to discuss a little bit about what colleges are beginning to do for the fall sports. Uh, so fall sports play, colleges have started to announce what they're going to do. Um, you know, every college is kind of doing their own thing right now. It doesn't seem like there's one overall thing going on with the NCAA. Uh, for one example, right, the Big Ten Conference, which has, like, Michigan in it, uh, has Ohio, Ohio State, Oregon, uh, Washington, uh, Wisconsin, Notre Dame. They're deciding to do conference-only play. So basically, they don't they don't play teams outside of their conference. Um, I guess to try to limit travel, um, you know, typically in your conference you have you have teams that are pretty much closer to your school. Um, and I kind of expect the route to what the, what's going to happen with with fall sports. Um, should be interesting to see where we go. Um, again, every kind of team and conference is kind of doing their own thing right now. Um, well, you know, it's getting pretty close to fall sports, so they're going to have to kind of come to somewhat of a consensus, I think, coming soon. Um, and I believe the Ivy League schools wind up canceling full yeah. sports altogether. So, again, there doesn't seem to be consensus. Um, I think the NCAA should come out and say, here's what we're going to do, here's a plan. I'm about to see if, if that happens when it does. Um, so much pretty, pretty much covers full sports, um, rather college stuff. Now, moving into the last segment, which I want to cover a little bit of the NHL. Uh, typically, we don't cover it, but they did release their uh, restarts uh, plans. So their plans to restart is going to be August 1st is the restart date. 
and then uh, they're going to they're, they're gonna play in this, the hub cities of Toronto and Edmonton. Obviously, when you stick to one city, there's less travel, there's less people to spread the coronavirus to. That's the plan with all these hub cities like Orlando, like Toronto, like Edmonton. So, um, so that pretty much covers the NHL for everything I want to talk about. Um, I believe that also ends our podcast. Yes, it does. It does. So, um, hope you enjoy, guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, not much going on in my life. I've kind of been laying low this week, just finishing up a couple projects for the summer class I'm taking. Um, should start work next week, work a couple weeks, I guess, and then go back to school. Uh, other than that, not much to say. Hope you guys, again, you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Um, let us let us know what you guys think about the the Woj uh, situation. You know, I think it's it's really we're like at a really interesting point in American history, really interesting point in sports. Uh, something that will be in the textbooks for sure. Um, and I'm just I'm just trying to take it all in, and you know, I'm not really. I honestly don't know what this. You know, at many points in my life, I'm one of the person that likes to share their opinion on something. But right now, there's just so much different things going on. That I'm just kind of like in awe of everything that's happening. Um, I'm kind of just trying to take it all in and try to understand everybody. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Uh, other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, please leave them at my email, nickishorvath10 at yahoo.com. Um, other than that, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. I'm going to hand over to Brian. Uh, thanks for listening. All right. So for me this week, I started my job. I'm working at a summer camp in Westchester pretty interesting fun to be back to somewhat normal life obviously a lot of precautions a lot of safety precautions that went into the first week of camp honestly it went pretty smoothly which was a surprise which is also exciting i hope that it continues to be smoothly and everything like that had to wear a mask all the time which was tough at certain points um just running around and stuff but I survived, and I, to anyone that doesn't wear a mask, please wear a mask, uh, but I'm going to not share any more political views. Other than that, um, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this in our DMs or anything like that. Um, check out our videos on YouTube. The NLE's predictions should be coming out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, follow our TikTok, The Sport Universe. We actually got the handle so that's great and that's about it if you have any interest writing for us editing videos any way you think could help contact the sport universe 2019 at gmail.com and other than that thanks for listening